Welcome back to the Times Union's Jaguar Podcast. I'm Philip Heilman. Joining me again today is Times Union beat writer Ryan O'Halloran, fresh off his return trip from Indianapolis in the NFL Scouting Combine. You feeling good? You feeling fresh? I felt like I was there 30 days. <laughs> uh, I felt better about myself when somebody mentioned to me like Saturday, my feet hurt, my back hurt, my head hurts. Uh, a lot of walking, a lot of standing around, but... Uh, you know, a lot uh, very beneficial from in terms of trying to uh, talk to these prospects, and uh, you know, uh, then we'll start to figure out where the Jaguars are going to go with some of these guys. We're going to get into Bleacher Report's latest seven-round mock in just a little bit. Uh, before we just kind of wrap up the NFL scouting combine, that sort of thing. Who is? What was the one thing that you heard that surprised you the most? Um, but uh, that. F- Mr. Senecal here. I people you know that people think the Jaguars are going to be a Super Bowl contender next year. Um, I don't think people realize how tough it is to get back to that point. The Patriots are the only team that really get back to that point a lot. And I try to tell people, hey, they're not. They're more than a nip and a tuck. Uh, this is a team that you know caught a little bit of lightning. Um, they're going to see their you know headline name in the headlines a lot this offseason. How do they handle those expectations and? I think that's one thing is they have a lot of holes to fill. They have a lot of places to address. So, it, you know, the status quo for the Jaguars will not work. And I think people probably didn't realize that a little bit. But the other part is, you know, team, you know, GMs and coaches didn't mention the Jaguars by name. But 3-13 and to 10-6 and in the AFC title game. That should give teams hope saying, hey, we can do that too. So, you know, parity has always been a thing in the NFL. But seeing that rapid turnaround, uh, that's, that was another major talking point. And just in terms of the Jaguars making it to the Super Bowl last or next year, and something that you said last week that I thought was you know an astute point was this team could figure out a way to be better next season and still have a, a record that is not even near the ten and six. You're playing a first place schedule, which means you're playing both of the Super Bowl teams plus Pittsburgh. Plus, you're going to have a healthy Deshaun Watson. You would assume in the division, most likely maybe mm-hmm. a healthy Andrew Luck. So things set up so well for the Jaguars last season. They took advantage. Give them credit for that. But that does not mean that it's going to be the same thing in 2018. Yeah, I mean, the first place schedule impacts two games per year. That's Pittsburgh, Kansas City. Kansas City game not looking as scary right now. Key is they're playing tougher divisions. They're playing NFC East. That's Philadelphia, uh, Dallas. They're also playing the NFC East, which includes New England. So, you know, the, the, the matchups are tougher. But, you know, this team had remarkable injury luck on defense last year. Uh, so they should, you know, say, hey, they – you know, sort of cheated fate once. You know, make sure they have the depth ready to go. You know, looking at that other story, I mean, it's Shaquem Griffin uh, from Central Florida. It was his day Saturday with the 20 bench press reps with the prosthetic hand. They came amazing. back. Yeah, I mean, he came back and ran four three eight. Uh, I that was more amazing because yeah. he never was. He knew he could run, but that was the fastest linebacker in at least a decade. You know, it's amazing he was a late invite. I, to me, that makes zero sense because he was so productive in college. Uh, you know, and it's he, just a good story. It seems yeah. like the kind of guy. If you're the scouting combine, if you're the NFL, you want that guy there because it's taken away from any negative stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and now he's like, okay, is he uh, day? You know, late day two, which would be third round. Is he? You know, somebody's got to draft him. Saying, hey, that first year, he run down the field and play kickoff coverage. Or he can play a sub-package linebacker because he can move so well. So that was the story. I mean, the quarterbacks, if you're Sam Darnold, I think you look back and say, man, I probably should have thrown. Just because yeah. it changed, the narrative was negative toward him because he did nothing. You know, Josh Rosen, Josh Allen, you first figured they were going to throw it well. They did. So um, 
receivers, nobody really moved the needle for me. It's not a good receiver yeah, class. It just isn't. Makes the Allen Robinson non-franchise tag decision because other teams are looking at the draft saying, it stinks, we better go sign somebody. Right. Even if we have to overbid. Um, you know, Mike and Max said this wasn't a great defensive end pass rusher. I mean, people use the term edge in all caps. Don't do not do that. It's, <laughs> it's a pass rushing defensive end. So, um, you know, but, you know, I, I looked at quarterbacks a little bit, second, third, fourth round. Who are some of the guys that Jaguars be interested in? You know, Loletta for Richmond, Fall from Washington State, uh, Rudolph from Oklahoma State. Um, so, you know, a lot of different directions with that answer, but you know it is it is pretty good uh, fact finding mission. What? Uh, how about you? Any na- any names stick out as if you're watching the coverage? I, I thought DJ Shark, somebody I wrote about for mm-hmm. Tuesday's Times Union, was an interesting guy. Went back and watched a couple of his games. I covered the Florida LSU game this year, and he didn't do much as a receiver, but he had a couple of end of rounds that he turned into big plays. And he's just a guy who's so sudden. And for an offense like the Jags, you know, he kind of fits exactly what they want to do in that they want to run a lot with Leonard Fournette and they want to, you know, pass off of that. They want to run a lot of play action fakes and that sort of thing. And he's the sort of guy who's got very sudden speed, very fluid route runner where he could take advantage of those home run balls. So that guy stuck out to me. Uh, Another guy from watching Mason Rudolph, who was kind of interesting to me, was James Washington, the receiver from Oklahoma State. Um just he's like 5'11 though so he's kind of a smaller guy i don't really know how he translates but he's just kind of an interesting guy to watch yeah i've sort of desensitized my things my myself from wash or oklahoma state receivers yeah (laughs) if i'm the jaguars he wouldn't even be on my board (laughs) because of the guy guilty by association because of the clown they drafted in 2012 but james washington 5'11 210 uh, 226 catches in 52 games so the production is i mean 39 touchdowns but that was a you know a pass first Pass second, pass third offense. So, right. but you know, Christian Kirk um, is a guy that you know gain you know gain some chatter mm-hmm. um, from Mike Mack, especially. But it's uh, you know everybody's like after the first round, everybody's looking for the next uh, Cooper Cup, right? You know, exactly. a slot guy who can you know learn a route tree quickly, is familiar with the pro style offense, and uh, I don't think those guys exactly grow on trees. Is the kid from Penn? Isn't there there's a guy from a receiver from Penn who I think a lot of people would kind of liken to sort of that Cooper Cup? I can't oh, remember. Oh, that Justin Watson. Yeah, that yeah. sounds right. Yeah, uh, 286 catches in his career. So, um, you know, six three two thirteen now. Right. So um, I think so. Who is this? Yeah. I'll call you back later. <laughs> um, you know, who, and who, uh, give uh, give me some time here. The South Dakota State receiver Goddard's teammate, um, Jake Wenke. Oh, right. Yeah. He had uh, 288 catches and 59 touchdowns. He's being he's a convenient comparison to Cup mm-hmm. because he's white. Right. But um, you know he he had a 25 100 yard game. So um, I kind of thought you might hear more sticking with Oklahoma State. Marcel Aitman. He's a guy who you know I thought he's got good size. Could have moved up a little bit with a good performance. Didn't really really hear much about him. Uh, no, same he, with Michael he Gallup from Colorado State. Didn't hear much about him. Yeah. Uh, Gallup is an interesting guy is that he's got the size 6'1", 198, but he only played two years at Colorado State because he went to Juco. Right. So, okay, our team's looking at him as more of a developmental guy, but 100 catches this past year, only seven touchdowns. So, uh, Mayock talked about him a little bit uh, in terms of, like, hey, maybe teams have to go back and look, take another look at him because mm-hmm. the numbers are there. Did you hear anything about 
Alden Tate from Florida State. He was a guy who played well against Florida. I think he had a touchdown catch in that game. and He, he was hurt a lot. He kind of felt like he was always had these nagging injuries and stuff for the Seminoles, but he is a big guy. He is an explosive guy. He could be, you know, I don't think he's a first-round guy, maybe not even a second-round guy, but possibly like third or fourth round. I'm trying to find him on my bio here. Tate, Tate, Tate. Well, I can't find him right now. I did not hear one word about any Florida State guy right. except Derwin James. I did not hear one word about any Florida guy except Antonio Callaway. Uh, Tavon, was it Taven Bryan? Taven Bryan. Yeah, he was sort of a you know, a workout guy. People were interested. A lot of like J.J. Watt comps. Yeah. This is what J.J. Watt did. This Yo, is what. How did you get from Wyoming to Florida? You know, that kind of thing. He did say something about like one of the, like, one of the staring contests. He goes, I, I flunked. So <laughs> he, had, he had some uh, good lines. But, yeah, it's uh, – which this is an Alabama combine. Yeah, mm-hmm. like 60,000 guys in there. I mean, it felt like every, every interview session there was an Alabama guy. So you start asking about teammates. The respect they have for Fitzpatrick – on that team was off the charts. So really, I think if you, I think you're drafting a future captain there who can play anywhere. He sort of comes off as not really the same sort of player, but just kind of the the way that Ed Reed was sort of just like beloved in those secondaries and mm-hmm. with for Baltimore and that sort of thing. It just seems like uh, that's kind of what you're getting in Mika Fitzpatrick from what you hear about him. Yeah. All right, let's go ahead and get into Matt Miller's seven round mock draft. I thought it was interesting. Uh, not a not a ton of surprise in the first round. When did this come out? Like earlier. Uh, earlier Monday. Earlier Monday. Okay, yeah. that's what I thought. So yesterday. So bravo to him for doing a seven round mock. I mean, that's just not to poke holes on other guys who are just doing first and second round mocks because that's tough enough. But a seven round mock that is an exercise. Yeah, because you because like how about it probably changes after free agency. So right. you have to go through every single pick again to figure it out. So, but first round he had a name that obviously Jaguar fans are familiar with. Yeah, Dallas Goddard, tight end from South Dakota State. Six foot five, two fifty five. Interesting that he did not run at the combine. Had twenty three reps on the bench press, which shows you know pretty good upper body strength. But just some other tight ends, I thought really made themselves some money at the combine. Goddard didn't run. Do you think that loses him some money? Um, he probably feels comfortable about that first round possibility. I mean, ultra productive in South Dakota State over his last two years. He only had thirty four catches his first two years. One hundred sixty four his last two seasons plus eighteen touchdowns. So. Um, he only made you know he under hard, no recruited by D one coming out of college ended up at, in his home state of uh, South Dakota State with the Jackrabbits. But he, the FCS guy is always always give you pause. I mean, mm-hmm. is it is it Mark Andrews, Oklahoma, Hayden Hurst, South Carolina, or Dallas Goddard, South Dakota State? You know, how does he separate himself? Is it because of his blocking? Six five two fifty five. All those guys are in the same ballpark. There's, right. not, there's not a guy who's really tall. Or, you know, and, the only and, one that really is different is Jalen Samuels, NC State tight end. Yeah. I think he's like 5'11". Yeah, and he's like, I mean, let's let's face it, he's going to be an H-back. Right, I mean, He exactly. ran like an H-back. Yeah, but four, like, five, four. You know, yeah. last year, Njoku from Miami was sort of the athletic mm-hmm. freak. There's really not any of that guy, conversation. Probably I think team Trey Burns can be expensive for blocking. Provides. I think that's depends on where Andrews and Hurst go. Guy, so I'd be fine with that at twenty. All right, we'll be back Jones. later in the week. Yeah, Andrew, I thought Pileman, I'm Hurst, he said he wanted to run in the four or five range, but he ran a four six seven, which was the same as Mark Andrews, mm-hmm. which is still pretty impressive mm-hmm. considering you think of Mark Andrews as, you know, this athletic, you know, sort of the athletic freak of this class. The fact that Hurst matched him. And is you know kind of thought of more of a better blocker. That was pretty impressive. Tied for third against tight end, of tight ends, I think. Yeah, I think it was third or fourth. Yeah. Gasicki ran a four five four. Well, he's the he guy. Just, he's the guy that made money. Yeah, because uh, you didn't see him in the first round conversations. Marcus 
Mark Gusecki? Mike Gusecki. Mike Gusecki from Penn State. Mm-hmm. Um, you didn't see him in a lot of first-round mocks, if any. Um, yeah, he was kind of more of like that early, the mid-ish second round, it seemed like. There, there definitely were, are some people who like him as the number one tight end in the class, and I think there's probably more people in that group now because of just sort of he measured 6'5", huge wingspan, huge hands, ran fast. You know, it just – yeah, he definitely, I thought, had – among the tight end group, probably the best weekend. I'm trying to look up his name here. I can't spell it. How do you spell it? G-E-S-I-C-K-I. Uh, G-E-I-S. Okay, there we go. Now, one more time. G-E-I-S. G-E-S-I-C-K-I. Eh, we're spelling it wrong. So, um, All right, second round. Second round, this is an interesting one from Matt Miller. Uh, People will recognize this name if they watch the combine. Offensive tackle Orlando Brown from Oklahoma. Okay, let's talk about the positives first. He's six foot eight. He's six foot eight. He's about six hundred pounds. Yeah. He started all forty of his games at Oklahoma at left tackle. He's a fourth year junior. His he's got the bloodlines. His dad played offensive tackle in the NFL for years. He Weight, 365 pounds as a high school senior, so he's dropped some weight. Which um, is just unbelievable. Yeah. I, mean, Jeez, I weighed like 135 guy. pounds as a high school senior. Wow. Maybe 155. I put on a little wow. bit since. But. Good for you. I wasn't in that. <laughs> First team All-American this past year for the Sooners. Then he arrived in Indianapolis. Read he it, might as well have not even come. Read it and weep. Uh, 14 reps on the bench press, which was Worst. the fewest. Uh, I think his 40 time was... 12.7 seconds or something like that. 585. <laughs> it was not good. Yeah. Um, nothing. He I mean, nothing. He did bad, went well. Bad uh, vertical leap. So yeah, it was the like question is uh, lower leg. Six sheets of paper as a vertical leap. You know, Baker Mayfield, the Oklahoma quarterback, said, when are you going to see him run 40 yards? Well, that's not the point, kid. Right. I mean, it's just like, you know, are you carrying too much weight? He was a first-round projection before the combine. You know, the Jaguars, will they look at him in the second round saying, hey, you know, this is a, you know, this is a guy who fell right into us. Uh, we had a first round grade on his tape. Yeah, sixty one sort of feels like a little bit of an overreaction, yeah. which I mean, it's hard to not overreact after seeing that because it it really felt like you could pull, you know, a freshman from Bulls and have him outperform what Orlando yeah. Brown did yeah, at the Rich, combine. Did Rich Eisen ran a little bit slower than Orlando Brown, which shows you Rich Eisen should not be doing the run rich run stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I think Roger Goodell almost ran that, but. Yeah, I when I Goodell did the, beat him five four one. Wow, that's just yeah. some that that's crazy. But when I did the Baker or when I was looking at Mark Andrews uh, for our draft and focus series and just sort of watching the Oklahoma offense, the one thing that stood out to me about Orlando Brown was I mean he's six foot eight, but that sometimes is almost too big. It feels like you kind of sort of play too upright. Guys can get in your pads, and that's a bit of a concern. And that's where the bench press kind of comes into me as you know, a red flag in that he can only do 14 reps on the bench press. So you sort of start to wonder, like, is his upper body strength a problem? If he plays a little too upright, he can't hold his ground. He can't anchor. Is he just going to be one of those guys who's big, but can just consistently get pushed backward? Well, and also can he bend? Right. You know, can, is he where, I mean, you know, you have a, a speed rusher, uh, like an Ngakwe, you know, when he, you know, gets low around the corner, will this guy be able to, to, you know, get that? I wouldn't touch him. That's just me. A guy I like better as sort of a project, Orlando Brown, probably a future right tackle, you would think so. But, I mean, he's big. That's his best thing. So is he going to really improve a whole lot? He sort of already is what he is. 
A guy who I think is sort of interesting in this range who might be available is uh, Louisville's Garen Christian. Six foot five, two ninety eight, possible round three or four guy. Um, he's a guy who I think also will be a little bit of a project. You could draft him, stash him behind Jeremy Parnell next season, and then you know possibly get him ready to go the following season. He was a guy who blocked for Lamar Jackson. He was here at the Tax Slayer Bowl. Pretty well spoken guy. Had a lot of you know interesting things to say about Lamar. Had a lot of interesting things to say about Louisville's offense. It seemed like he had a very good understanding of sort of what they wanted to do offensively, and that to me is pretty important. Yeah, six six three fifteen before the combine, third year junior from Ocala started all thirty nine games of his career at offensive tackle. I think this would be a sweet spot for a guy draft him, get him ready. Case Cam Robinson, German Parnell, both both missed games this year because of injury. I don't think you want to go back to Josh Wells. I don't. You know that experiment should be over. Take a look at this guy. I, I would like this pick. Another guy who has been sort of talked about and kind of interesting, Connor Williams from Texas. Uh, he's a guy who. It looked like he was battling injuries for a lot of last year. He kind of got dinged that his tape wasn't as good last year as it was the year before, but he did miss some time, I think, because of injuries, and I think he was just injured throughout the season. Yeah, he was limited to five games because he had an MCL and ACL sprain. Did not require surgery. Um, He skipped the bowl game uh, after coming back, but he had a sprained MCL, sprained MCL, torn meniscus. So I'm sure he got the once over medically. But like these other guys, started all of his games at left tackle. That's a positive uh, you know, freshman All-American. It's, you know, he added 35 pounds between his sophomore and junior year. Okay, was that a lot of good weight? He's at, you know, listed as six six three twenty before the season. So, uh, you know, I like I would like him over Orlando, Orlando Brown. Brown. Yeah, yeah. Uh, another guy who's interesting to me who probably won't be available at this pick was Mike McGlinchey. I thought he did uh, out of Notre Dame. He's probably gonna be a late first rounder would be yeah, my guess i mean he's uh him and quentin nelson or quentin nelson you know both probably first round picks for notre mm-hmm. dame so yo, know, if you want mcglinchy you gotta take him at 29 if he's even there then uh will hernandez from utep yeah 37 yeah. reps on the bench press was the most so clearly probably the guy, second guard that guy's gonna be a mauler so he probably maybe he's available at 29 i doubt that though but he would fit this offense really well i think yeah and you know He's like like two time first team All America, you know. He, he's t- you know you gotta like okay his team stunk, but was he a dominant player? And he looks like a freaking bull. Yeah. Uh, I mean he he put the bar up pretty easily. So I think he'll be a first round pick. But you know, overall for the Jaguars, what you're getting into now is we're listing a lot of needs. Right. They don't have a lot of picks. Right. In the premium spot. So you know crystallize a little bit after free agency. You know, sort of interesting. And a little bit surprised, honestly, that there wasn't a receiver mocked to the Jaguars earlier. But then it's just like you look at this class, and it's just who gets you excited? Uh, yeah, nobody. I mean, okay, so Matt Miller's got them going tight end, tight offensive end. tackle, and first two rounds. Then in the third round, he has Josh Sweat. Josh Sweat, defensive end from Florida State. Okay, he had a good combine. I think he was one of the leaders in a, in a category too. Uh, what do you know about him? Six four two fifty one. Uh, he is a good player. I remember he had a sack against Alabama the first game of the season back when Florida State was looking like a national title contender. Five tackles in that game. I think he had five and a half sacks his junior season. But to me, my question is if he's going to the Jaguars, he almost looks more of like a 3-4 outside linebacker mm-hmm. to me than a 4-3 end. You look at 6-5-249. Say they make that pick in the third round. Well, there's our answer on Dante Fowler's Bye. option. See you yeah, later, I mean, Dante. Yeah. And at that point, you maybe try and flip Fowler. Uh, but... 
you know, you, know you, you draft for the present, but you also draft for the future. Yeah. He's a guy who's had knee injuries, um, which I think has sort of affected his value a little bit. But he did, like you mentioned, I think uh, to run a 4-5-3 at the combine, that caught a lot of people's attention. That sort of shows the athleticism he has. A guy I kind of like a little bit better is Marcel Frazier from Missouri. That seems to be more of a fit uh, in terms of what the Jaguars do on defense. Uh, just I remember watching him a couple of games in the SEC. He was a guy that I had sort of written down in my notes from the season. So what's a good player? I just like I mentioned, I think that he'd be better for a three-four outside linebacker, kind of what you hate as an edge rusher. But mm-hmm. uh, fourth round, fourth round, sticking with the Seminoles, Tavares McFadden, who did not have a good NFL scouting yeah, combine. He, 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 he's tall. He fits that prototype, but you know it didn't look like he ran great. Didn't look like he knew how to run. Period. Yeah. It was weird. It was like a a giraffe on new legs or something. Yeah, you know, early entry. So did he make, did he make a mistake coming out? Uh, I think the pro day for the Seminoles is going to be a big day for him. See if he can bounce back. But you know, if you're drafting a if you're drafting a corner, uh, does that mean that Aaron Colvin has moved on? Um, and this isn't the fit. This is not. This guy is not going to be a slot corner for the Jaguars. Yeah, he's, too, be, he's too tall. Yeah, I think he's too lanky. And his his. You know, sort of lateral quickness when you watch him on film is not that great. Yeah, yeah. I, so, mean, I don't like that pick. Yeah. Move on. He did have eight interceptions in 2016, which is more than Jalen Ramsey had throughout his career at Florida oh, State. He's going to block you on Twitter for that statement, yeah. Paco. <laughs> uh, 203 receiver Jalil Scott. For some reason, I did not write down which school he went to and it is escaping me right now. It's a West Coast New school. Mexico State. New Mexico State. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Um, six five two eighteen, big guy ran a four five six. Yeah, only two years at New Mexico State was in a community college. He was at the uh, Senior Bowl playing for the North team. Um, he had eight touchdowns uh, last year, and then as a junior for the Aggies, uh, twenty three catches. I mean, yeah, ninety nine catches, thirteen sixty two, and fourteen touchdowns in two seasons. Yeah, so, so if you're drafting a receiver productive. this late, I mean, you're just kind of taking a flyer. Yeah, hoping he does yeah. one thing. Well. And the guy, I mean, if you're still listening to this. I absolutely congratulate you and thank you. But uh, go turn on Jalil Scott's film and watch his catch for a touchdown against Arizona State last year. It was literally probably the best catch you'll ever see. It was one-handed catch over two guys where it's just like, how much stick does he have on his gloves? So the guy can get up there. He can make plays. I don't know. I mean, if you're waiting until 2 or 3 to address the receiver position, if you're the Jags, I really hope you did something in free agency. Yeah. Or else, uh, yeah, Leonard Fournette's going to catch uh, 90 balls next year and Corey Grant might catch 50. Uh, but, yeah, we kind of already mentioned some receivers. Michael Gallup, I think, will be interesting. DJ Moore, guy from Maryland who you talked to, mm-hmm. also another interesting guy. And Pettis, the guy with the crazy hair, I like him a lot. I mean, he's a return guy, receiver guy. I mean, a team's going to take him, and he could be like Tyler Lockett, mm-hmm. just help you, in a lot, help you a bunch in a bunch of ways. This is a pick I do like at number 230, Oren Burks, linebacker from Vanderbilt. Uh, he's a guy who was dinged leading up to. He started his career as a safety, then was sort of a hybrid safety linebacker, then moved to inside linebacker. So sort of questions as to where does he fit. But I thought he answered – I actually listened to a couple of his interviews. Uh, I thought he answered him well. He said, hey, I can do a little bit of everything for you. If you want to teach me how to do something, I'm going to be a quick learner. I'm going to do it. I've got experience playing pretty much all over the back end of the defense. To me, he would be a nice inside linebacker. Maybe you have him learn behind Paul Pazlesny for a year, take that spot over. That would be interesting. I think that's pretty good value for the you know two hundred thirtieth pick. 
Yeah, I mean, he was uh, inside linebacker as a senior. He played, like you said, he played that safety linebacker spot as a junior. 15 tackles against the Gators, 12 against Kentucky. If the Jaguars are drafting a linebacker, are they going to say, are you going to, uh, are they asking themselves, are they going to do the two down Mike again? Mm-hmm. I mean, are they going to have that fiasco uh, <laughs> of Miles Jack playing, you know, the Sam and base downs and then, you know, in, you know, regular linebacker and sub. So, but I think they do need to address their linebacker depth because their special teams need to be improved. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Blair Brown didn't really show much last year. Yeah, a lot of con- uh, comparisons for Burks to Zach Cunningham, who played at Vanderbilt. He sort of uh, was the flavor of the month for quite a bit leading into last year's draft. And he outperformed at the combine. He had three more reps in the bench press. He ran a four five nine to Cunningham's four six seven. Had a better vertical jump, better broad jump, and Cunningham went second uh, in the second round, fifty seven overall to the Texans. So if you're getting anywhere near that sort of player, you know, in the you know fifth, sixth, seventh, that sort of round, I mean, that's a that's a pretty good deal to me. Yeah. Last pick, uh, number 247, tight end Jordan Akins out of uh, UCF. Oh, yeah. Older than average. Uh, Another played, baseball uh, guy. Yeah, he turns 26 <laughs> on April 19th. Uh, he had 53 catches for the Knights over his last two years. Uh, tore his ACL in 15. Again, like you said about receiver, if they waited this long to take a yeah, another tight end, they obviously take Goddard. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you really need two tight ends? Yeah, probably not. I mean, it's just sort of a at this point. What do you take? I mean, is this a guy who come in and play special teams for you? Notice how we haven't mentioned quarterback yet. Right. To me, that's a. To me, that sticks out. Yeah, that, they're going to draft a quarterback, right? I mean, it would just be shocking unless for some reason they sign somebody in free agency who's a little bit younger than you would have thought. A guy who, I don't like. I mentioned, I think, in the last podcast, if for some reason. Teddy Bridgewater ended up here. Then you say, okay, well, maybe we don't need a draft a guy because we have, you know, yeah. sort of a guy who could potentially be the future. But I don't think that's going to happen. So we uh, we will wrap this up. Uh, we, we thank our parents because they're probably uh, stuck. <laughs> well, my parents them. never read anything I write, so they probably won't listen to this either. <sighs> Mr. Heilman. Horrible. But, Horrible. Well, thanks for listening. Take us out, folks. All right, keep uh, keep looking for our draft coverage in the Florida Times Union each day and on Jacksonville.com. And once again, as Ryan O'Halloran said, thanks for listening.